gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice. The superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the hall of justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, Bob. And what he does is the Hall of Justice Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. Thank you for listening and thank you for subscribing. Whether you're a new subscriber, there's like 191 other episodes you could be listening to and you're choosing to listen to this one. I appreciate it. And we have a really, really fun guest today. There is a new show out. I saw it on YouTube. Uh, it's a short show, and it's really, really cute. And it allowed me to interview somebody who I have been following her career for a very long time. And that's not to say she's old, because she is far from that. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, my new friend Perry Gilpin is with us, and the show is called Old Guy. Perry, thank you so much, and welcome to the Hall of Justice. Thank you very much. I love being here. Uh, let's talk about old guy first. Um, how did you get involved in this? We know it's the it's it's five daughters who wrote this show for their dad, and it's really really cute. But what's your connection to the to to the to the project? Two of the sisters. It's called Five Sisters Productions, as you said. And so two of his daughters, Maria and Ursula, are very old friends of mine from when I first moved to LA and. You know how that is. You're you're just all starting out together. We were in a book club together and we hung out a lot. And they were always telling me very funny stories about their mom and dad and how they were raised. And their parents were sort of, I don't want to say hippies, but but more like hippies than anything else I can think of. You know, they would they'd go to trips to Tibet and they were always very funny stories. So right, right. When they, the dad retired, he'd been the head of a drama, uh, excuse me, he'd been the head of a psychology department at SUNY Buffalo. He retired and he returned to LA, he wanted to live at the beach, he wanted to be with his daughters and his granddaughters. And actually one of the sisters is a professor at Tufts. I think she's oh. a professor of theater. Now and just, another sister- just showing off now. Oh, they are. Well, they're all just overachievers and they're all- <laughs> really really funny and and very talented and creative and so when he moved out here he started to audition for I guess commercials and, and different tv shows and movies and all kinds of stuff and they they were all shocked because he just was getting job after job after job <laughs> but he was a little discouraged because every job was like an adult diaper or <laughs> lecherous old man at the bar or a <laughs> cadaver you know Sure. And so they they told me that all about this. And they said, so we wrote a script about it. It's a web series. It's very short, but we want you to read it because we want you to play as agent. So when I read it, and first of all, I was absolutely thrilled that they wanted me to do that. But also I couldn't wait to do it after I read it because I felt that they had just captured our our industry, how ridiculous it is, but also right. how genius it is, you know. And um, and they just did it in such a funny way. So I I couldn't wait to join them and and play Winnie the agent. 
that you play the agent and you know it, 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 it's very cute and the the plot it, it, there's no spoilers this is not a murder mystery it's a, it's a <laughs> cute it's a cute show uh but what i love is his reaction and listen i'm being completely appropriate here but you're you know you're showing your leg and you're showing like you're 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 you're, you're, you're like you're flirting with him casually and all of a sudden his eyes bug out of his head and i'm thinking <laughs> to myself that's 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 gold because i don't care how professional you are if you're doing that that's what's happening <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so nice well you know in the scene right before his wife had said you know be careful for that yeah. casting couch you know and he's like <laughs> Oh, that's ridiculous. He's 80. You know, he's like, that's ridiculous. And then he gets there and he's in it. You know, it's genius. It's it's pure sitcom. It's right. it's great humor. And it's just he he's a, he plays. It, it's very simple. He just plays Roger uh, Burton is his name. And he just he he just his facial expressions sold it. It was so it was it was very funny. And I had known him from Baskets. Because Baskets is a great show too, with uh, with uh, Zach Galifianakis, and uh, that's that's a hysterical show. Well, I, you know, I didn't realize he had done that. We did this back in 2013, so I guess he's probably did. He must have done Baskets after that, and so at the oh, time, okay. I really didn't know. And I actually have seen a lot. I love Baskets. Yeah, it's but I, I just hadn't seen written. him in it. But I just want to say one thing, please, if you're an Academy voter. Um, consider voting for uh, Old Guy, which is oh, in the web series category, and it's only a four-year-old category, and some people aren't even aware of it, And but it's some really fine work by um, Roger Burton and his daughters, Five Sisters Productions, of course. and their mom, Gabrielle, is in it too, and I got to be in it, and we would all appreciate your vote very much. Louie Anderson plays a woman. I know, I know. I think I saw the first season. I don't think there must have been a second season that I haven't seen yet because I, 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 I heard Louis Anderson on a podcast talking about it, and I couldn't wait to watch it. But I wish I'd seen Roger in it because, I mean, that's he made it. He did it. Yeah, he was on a TV. He's on a real TV show. That's that's no joke and a good that's one. Right, right, and, and <laughs> sounds like it sounds like you can easily. I I can't see your face, but there are definitely shows you can roll your eyes at. Oh yeah, there, there, there's definitely and and you've done projects where you walked off and said, "God, I can't wait to get out of here." And you would you're too classy to say that publicly, and that's not what social media is for. But I guarantee you, you that's when I think you should have a burner account and be able to write that. <laughs> What's a burner account? Oh, <laughs> that sounds on. good. You're, you're lying. You don't. You don't know what a burner account is. I don't. Oh my god! I cannot believe I'm teaching Terry Gilpin what a burner account is. So you're verified on Twitter. So yeah. People know who you are, right? Right. But you can create another one, and you can be, uh, you know, Perry Smith. So I can and be like Duchess Goldblatt. There or... you go. Okay. Jesus, there you go, and you can write the dirtiest, meanest, vicious things you want, and no one can attribute it to Perry Gilpin. Hmm. There's a lot of basketball players that do that. <laughs> that explains a lot. Okay. Well, okay. To me, I, I'd rather you do that than use your social media irresponsibly. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather you have a burner account that no one follows. And I'd rather, you know, if you feel the need to get something off your chest that you don't feel is appropriate to say, do it that way. That's a lot safer. Okay. Okay. 
Thank you. I cannot believe this was the direction this show was going. This is not where I thought this was going. Noise, noise, noise. Smoking weed, smoking weed, doing coke, drinking beers. Pack her ass, my good man. Time to kick back, drink some beers, and smoke some weed. We'll get back to the Hall of Justice in just a moment, but first, a message from my friends, wait, Jay and Silent Bob? I know we had Kevin Smith on the podcast recently, and a lot of you are listening. That also came to the podcast because of that. They have two games that I want to tell you about. They're card games, not digital games. We're not talking about something on a computer. You can play this with your friends. You can play this with your family while we wait out the quarantine. We have the Big Fat Cardon Game. It's ideal for fans of card games, comics, superheroes, cringeworthy decisions, and smack talk. There's three play modes. You can do price mode, pick mode, battle mode, and sold on Amazon. Anywhere you can find it. Customer reviews, currently 4.9 out of 5. And the content, yeah, it's Jay and Silent Bob, so you know it's totally inappropriate. Then they have the Smell My Finger Game. You have to see this to believe it. Created by Jay and Silent Bob decades ago, now sharing their love to sniff and rip. There's 12 wearable fingers that are used in the game, and you compete with your friends, picking scents of your choice, placing them in the fingers, battling, earning points for smelling correctly. That, currently 4.8 out of 5 on Amazon. The scents you use for the game can be found in your own home or wherever you want to go to find funky smells. That's up to you. The party game that smells like fun. Smell my finger and the big fat card on game. Yes, there's a play on words. It's from Jay and Silent Bob. Who else? I can't ignore the big elephant in the room. And on the Hall of Justice podcast, I have to talk about the role that everyone wants me to ask you about and i'll get flack on my social media if i don't make this a big focal point let's talk about terminator oh you killed my line i I I was ready as soon as i knew you were coming on the show i said you're volcana from superman the animated series i i know you know what that is one of my favorite roles that's my favorite thing i love it and I got to work with some of the most fun, fun people well, all in the and, same room. And it's so distinctive. And and again, you're already on the show, so I'm not kissing your butt. But your voice is very dis- distinctive. Like people are listening to you and they'll know, they immediately know your voice. You have, you have a radio voice. It's funny that you played a radio producer. But this idea that you were Volcana, as soon as you were a Volcana in Superman, which is one of the great animated series of all time, and it's... Uh, spinoff, which was Justice League, which you made an appearance on a- as well. And we have shown in this show the reverence for that material because that was stuff that was, you know, I saw that stuff when I was in college and, you know, just getting out of college. And I was a young adult. And that was the first time characters that I loved were being portrayed in a real way. And there's, right. a, there, there's a gravitas to that. And I, you know, this show is called the Hall of Justice because if you're old enough to know what the Hall of Justice is, you're our demographic, and that—that's the idea of, of the show. But the Bruce Tim led, 
you know, Batman, the animated series and Superman and Batman Beyond and Justice League and all the shows that are connected in that universe, we have nothing but reverence for. And we had Kevin Conroy on the show and we've had George Newbern on the show and Phil Lamar has been on this show, uh, Green Lantern, Susan Eisenberg has been Wonder Woman. We're obsessed with that whole thing. And now we're completing, now we're getting into the villains. I've had, I, I have Volcana on the show. Forget Roz Doyle. Let's talk about Volcana. Oh my God. I love Phil. And I know Susan from Twitter. Okay. Huh? Now I get it. Now I get it. That's awesome. And, yeah. and we all love Paul Dini, right? Yes. Paul Dini. And if some, something funny just happened with Paul Dini because DC universe, the app, and this is more for my audience. I do not expect you to know these things, but, uh, uh, DC Universe just canceled its daily show that showed DC Daily, of which I appeared on one episode on. So they got to complete 450 episodes, and I congratulated them for 449 great ones and one okay one. And <laughs> the one that I was on was with Paul Dini. And it was so awkward because we were being interviewed about Batman the Animated Series with a guy who wrote Batman the Animated Series. And I was like, why would anyone want to hear one thing that I have to say next to him? And I was standing next to him, and I thought that was one of the strangest things. And it's very ironic that literally four days ago, they had their big send-off. Wow. <laughs> That's a whole world, isn't it? That's a whole world. Yeah, and it, it's the it's the reason why I thought this podcast had a shot. Because this idea that, you know, we take, you know, the fan bases of these programs take things so seriously, but they know that it's not politics and it's not digging ditches and it's not true crime. And we're not talking about those things, but can you talk about it for adults? That's, that's the, the way I, I describe it. And my favorite example of this uh, podcast doing what I really conceived it to be was when, do you know the, the Netflix show, uh, Jessica Jones? No. That's okay. <laughs> you don't get a demerit, although you're going to get some flack on social media for that. Um, what is it? What is it? Jessica Why Jones is it? a Marvel show. It's, it's a true crime, like a gritty, uh, Kristen Ritter uh, plays Jessica Jones. And it's from Marvel, but it's on Netflix. And it was part okay. of the Netflix thing. And Jessica Jones, the first season... The villain is this guy named Kilgrave, and he can control your mind, and he can make you do things. And it goes really dark. It's very, very dark, and there's some sexual assault. And the idea is, and somebody in the Huffington Post wrote an article after Jessica Jones came out and said either the showrunner or a consultant on that series had to have been an actual rape victim because the PTSD portrayed in that show it's so authentic. And I just, my eyes lit up because I said, that's a podcast. I said, that's interesting because that takes this to another level. What I don't want to ever do is I don't want to do the, who would win in a fight, Superman or the Hulk? Like that, that doesn't do anything for me. But if you can take things to a deeper level and understand things to a deeper level, that's where I thought this audience could have, that's where I thought this podcast had a shot. Well, that was one of the things I loved about playing Volcana was Volcana was that there was a real flirtation between her and Batman. That was right. when I was a kid, my the, my sister and I loved the Adam West Batman and Robin show, sure, loved sure. it, 
had, and we all did, but it was a, we had a deal with our grandmother who would say, if you say one word during the six o'clock news, you're not what, you know, you don't get to watch it because she liked to hear the news and she, you know, we were little kids. So we would listen to the news, which I think is great because I really love the news too now, but then we'd get to watch it. We get to watch Batman and Robin and we did the dance and we knew every episode by heart and we loved it. But, you know, Adam West played it and my other grandmother would just, she would just giggle. She couldn't believe how campy he was. My, my grandmother out in the country had no idea how campy he was, you know, but so it was just funny to get their two takes on it. But then years later, when Paul asked me if I would play Balkana, I loved the very, very real flirtation between the two, almost as if Batman were, um, you know, were. Uh, you know, almost gettable, you know, right, for right. the other side, you know, right. and that, and that's real. That's our internal conflict and our internal, you know, struggle. And uh, if you're, if that's what you're saying, absolutely. You can do that through animated. You can do that yeah. in your, in that world, sometimes even more powerfully and then more realistically than you can with people, because it's very hard to go to some of those places. One last thing about voice work versus on camera. I mean, you're 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 brilliant on camera, but your voice is so distinctive. Is that a hindrance or is that a help? Is it better to have a nondescript voice that, you know, you could literally be anything because I don't know how someone could cast you in anything animated, whether it was your Nickelodeon show, you were you were Desiree, uh, you were in Final Fantasy, uh, in any of those those uh, animated things. I mean, you're you. Like that is such a distinct voice, and I mean, that's that's what God gave you. Like, there's nothing you can do to to coach that. The greatest acting training. I don't know how you're not Perry Gilpin on anything animated. And you know, that's what they. That's what's needed, right? You know, right. is so. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I know what you're saying, and I. You know, my mom always said I was the only bass in the Cherub Choir because I, <laughs> I I always had that crazy voice. And then I smoked for years, and that really probably made it even more intense. I think it's kind of less since I stopped smoking, you know, many years ago, 15 years ago. I think it's less distinctive, but that's fine. <laughs> I wasn't smoking <laughs> to make my voice distinctive. But I um, <laughs> but I but my dad, you know, was in radio. So and it just and I it's so funny because I always wonder like because he really worked on his voice because he had such a an intense accent that he he was working on. He wanted this very Wolfman Jack radio thing, and I just wonder I wonder how I wound up sounding that way. But I do think that I get cat. You know, one of the most fun parts I ever had in animation was I played Hecate queen of the underworld and i just yelled and you know screamed oh and hercules <laughs> yeah and hercules yeah yep. and i had watched hercules as a kid too yep. and uh the and i i loved it i loved it but the most fun was was when i did that final fantasy actually all of it was fun but in with final fantasy the guy that directed that jack fletcher was um he was the son of a very well-known theatrical director in San Francisco at ACT. And he was also an actor mm. and he made that experience for me. It was like, it, it was 
like going and rehearsing or doing a play. He went for such realism from, you know, the performance and um, would kind of directed you into quite a frenzy, which was really fun. You know, oh, it was also sure. really like it was a workout. It was fun. I felt like I, I felt it felt it didn't feel like it was only vocals. It felt like a full experience. Uh, it, it's it's fascinating. It's fascinating to hear it from your perspective because it's very different, you know, than than what I would imagine. I recognized very early on in my career that I did not want to do play by play because I don't have the bass that you have in your voice. And when I'm in a ballpark with 50,000 screaming people, if a guy's, you know, hitting a home run, I sound like a 12 year old boy. And I knew I couldn't do it. I, I, I knew very early on, I could not do that. That was, I got a job in the New York Penn league and minor league baseball in 1995. And I did it. And I said, Nope, this is not for me. This is not going to happen. And you know, I'll, I'm happy to go on before the game, after the game that I can do, I can do the talk show. I can do the podcast. I can't do, I couldn't do that because you have that. And that that's not something Phil Lamar can do any voice of anything. Yes, he has he that, he has that gift. You know, you have to know what you're good at. And, and I he's also the people, nicest person on the planet. Just yes. such a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very good dude. Uh, we just, I just spoke to him recently. Uh, that's very, very cool. And he was on this show when we had no audience whatsoever. Uh, he was one of the first people I got on this podcast and I think it was like one of the first 20 episodes We're at 192 and there was nobody who listened to the show <laughs> in the beginning. And I didn't even know we were going to do it. And I always say, I have to get Phil Lamar back on the show now that actually people can hear. So go yes. back and listen to Phil Lamar's episode. I mean, tell the audience they should, they should totally do that. We'll be back with more of the Hall of Justice, but first, I have to tell you about another podcast I do, and yeah, we talk about it from time to time, but anybody who knows my career knows it's a sports broadcasting career. Yes, I love the Hall of Justice so much. I also started a podcast that is called Sports with Friends. It's a play on words, because my mother always played words with friends. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat to see if I have as many friends in the industry that could come on a show and be open and honest and have a friendly chat? So I started the podcast and said every guest is a friend. But then I found out that some of my friends are in PR and they book guests for the show. And they've asked me to put people I'm just meeting. So now every guest is a friend or a friend of a friend. We play Jewish Geography. Some of the past guests on this show can be really close friends like Dave Softy Mahler or Andrew Siciliano. And some of them are big icons that are also friends. Ken Griffey Jr. thinks he made my career. Martin Brodeur, the best goalie in the history of the NHL. And we also tackle big topics. We'll find out about cord cutting for a sports fan or the life and death of Kobe Bryant. And then there was Nancy Lieberman's appearance. What a story she had to tell. And then there's Eli Manning, who's been on the podcast five times and counting. All I know is if you listen to Sports with Friends, you'll hear some great guests. You'll hear so many stories, and you'll feel like you know not only them, but me. Check out Sports with Friends wherever you can get your podcasts. And if you're listening to this one, I guarantee you, you'll find Sports with Friends right there.
so your dad was in radio um when you found out about Roz and you got the gig at Frasier um and I heard all the stories about auditions and you know, friends was coming on at the same time and there was all the these amazing now iconic stories and Frasier is such an iconic show and again I'm not kissing your butt to say that this is you know how good Frasier was but when the whole radio idea and the idea that she was a radio producer uh did that appeal to you because of the fact that radio was something you had a little bit of a background in honestly i didn't even think of it until i was sitting there with the headphones on <laughs> and 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 realizing you know just it just blew my mind i kind of remember the moment it hit me i hadn't thought of it until i was sitting there in that booth when as a, during a show probably with the lights on or Maybe it was a quieter moment during rehearsal. I don't know. It just hit me like a ton of bricks. And the coolest thing about that was I, you know, didn't talk about it a lot. And um, there there are a lot of pictures of my dad with his, you know, headphones on. And I, I didn't really, you know, it was before social media and it was before you thought sure. about. But on the last episode, Katie Couric came and she did a big thing on it a big farewell. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And she and I had gotten to know each other because I did the fourth of the last episode of cheers. And uh -huh. she was there when I was there and, and she, you know, I was a guest and I think just because we we're both Southern and, you know, she felt like she could talk, you know, there was so much, it was a little chaotic. And, yeah. And so we were, you know, we, we became friendly during that. So 11 years later when she was back on the set and I was, had a part in it and I wasn't, you know, a guest. I was there. I had a dressing room. She came in my dressing room and said, this is the messiest thing I've ever seen. How can you do this? But the way she, the way she um, profiled me in, in the farewell to Fraser was, you know, she sort of morphed a picture of me into my dad. Oh, wow. And that was really cool. Yeah. I, I would imagine. And uh, it's just, it's so interesting because, you know, 93 is when Fraser comes on. And I graduate college. I'm a little younger than you. And I graduate <laughs> college um, uh, in 96 and start my radio career. And I worked in Denver, Colorado. And then I worked in Seattle, Washington throughout the 90s. And then I came back in the 2000s. I worked for Major League Baseball. And I came back to New York. And during the whole time, I could easily tell you seven times I have literally said to a producer, why can't you be more like Roz? <laughs> I have done that because because producers, you know, producers in radio are an interesting uh, deal. And I had a, a unique belief system in radio. I mean, you, what you were doing was all scripted. But what I always believed about radio producers were um, you didn't work with your producer. You worked for your producer and your producer worked for you, meaning I had the authority to kick him in the butt or her in the butt uh, when he or she needed it and vice versa. If I needed to raise my game, my producer was empowered to push me to levels to reach better, to do better content. And I always think that that's how you can have success when you have that relationship. And sometimes it can get contentious because, you know, people, your egos get bruised. And that's where I always, I would watch Frasier all the time. I've seen every episode three times, but I would always go, why can't you just be more like Roz? And everyone would know what that meant. <laughs> and, and in sports radio, that's a weird thing to have that kind of connection. Ah, oh, that's awesome.
But I think that, I mean, that's huge. Thank you for saying that. And I, but I do think that's the great, that's a great hallmark of any, 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 of any TV show, of any movie, any play, any, anything creative that you do, you do work for each other and you are always empowered to make the other one better. And the better you are at that, the, the better the show is. And I think that that's what the writers and the producers were trying to create with the Fraser and Roz relationship was exactly what you just described. And so the, because he needed to be sort of the fish out of water to make, and that's the, that's the, uh, you know, that's what they chose that I can't, you know, that plot of him being sort of like new to the station, you knew he was going to be fine, but he just didn't know the details and you knew he was a perfectionist. So getting things wrong was going to bother him. So, and then add in someone who knew 10 times as much and had no problem telling him when he was off and also being there to help him, right? you know, was, was, you know, there you, there was a lot of conflict, but there was also a lot of, a lot to mine there for comedy, you know? And so, and I just think the writers of Fraser were genius and did a great job of that. And we all went to the ABC studios here in LA, here in LA and watched them do shows. In fact, the, the I want to say it was a man, a guy had like the Roz job mm-hmm. and he was in a wheelchair and he had, he could, he knew exactly, he could get out the back door and smoke a cigarette. He knew he could time everything so perfectly. And he had a million signals for who was on the phone and what was going on. I just remember that. And I remember going, I don't want to, I'm going to lose my, I'm going to lose this job to that guy if I talk about him too much. <laughs> because he was so fascinating to watch, you know. That's so funny. That's really, that's very, very funny. Um I know you had guest starred on Cheers and that's been well documented, but were you a fan of, of Cheers? So when you got into it, were you talking to the guy that you had watched from that bar for all that time, even though it's such a different portrayal? Because it, 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 Frasier, to me, was a different level of comedy. N- not to say that Cheers was dumb comedy, but Frasier, you had to have intelligence to get a lot of the humor in Frasier. Even though it's the same guy, did you see him as the same guy? Okay, wait. You mean Kelsey, or do you mean the Fraser from Cheers and the Fraser from the Fra- Well, Fraser. I was thinking more of the character. I mean, Kelsey. I, I assume you liked him, regardless. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know where otherwise, but as well, far I mean, as well, the thing but, that was so interesting character. is that Kelsey is the polar opposite. It's so of different, right? Right. Yes. So there's like. Okay, and you know who you're talking to and when you're talking to them. And he's not gonna he's not Fraser until you're do you know, until you're on the set. And then he is a whole three-dimensional other person, Fraser. I mean, wow. he's a greatest actor. He is a fantastic actor. And um and and uh so talented and such a I I adore Kelsey. But the Fraser from Cheers was you know he was a supporting character so he was used in you know and it was a sitcom so it was an elevated sitcom and a great sitcom but right he was used for what he brought to the story which was you know the intellectual that you know overthought everything and that was madly in love with diane let diane walk all over him and then madly in love you know with strange and wonderful lilith and you know his character grew over the years 
he went there to do, I think, two or three episodes and stayed nine years. So, you know, they, they really knew how to, that they, they loved that character. But the, the great thing was when they decided to spin off Frasier, the character of Frasier, the writers that did that, you know, they, they, they took a character and put him where he could be the whole person. Right. Instead of just the part that they needed for cheers. Do you know what I mean? And so, so, you know, and I remember the first night my, my friend called me from Dallas after the first episode of Frasier aired and she just, she called me, she, cause she, everyone wanted to know, well, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? I go, well, they, you know, we moved to Seattle and he, now he's working in radio and I'm his producer. So that's all I, you know, that's what I had said to them. And they all, this one friend of mine called me and she goes, Perry, I have moved to Seattle. I have moved to Seattle with Frazier. <laughs> Which meant, you know, they did it. They just took this great character. But they also had nine years of exposition. Okay. You know, it's a yep. great way to start a pilot because you, you we all know yeah, him. The backstory, right. You knew yeah. him. Yep. And it was so funny because in 93, you know, I was in Syracuse and you guys are in Seattle. And then in 98, I went to Seattle. And now I'm living in Seattle and Frasier is the hottest thing going at, in 98. And I just, I couldn't believe I lived there. And I was doing radio. So we were like coworkers. Sort of. Oh my God. That is really? Kind of that is kind of weird. And I just realized if Kelsey Grammer ever comes on this podcast, I could do the Volcana joke with him too. Cause I could talk to him about beast in X-Men. That's right. That's and I right. could I could ignore Frasier. <laughs> I could talk to Kelsey Grammer about being in the X-Men and go, oh, by the way, you also were Frasier. Um, you mentioned social media. And do you feel that in your career, uh, you would have wanted to have social media the whole time? Would it have been harder to go up the ranks the way you did and get work the way you did? Um, do you think social media is a hindrance or a, or a positive? for someone in your shoes, let's say, you know, just starting out now? Oh God, that's a great question. Um, I think all of the above, you know, I mean, I, I think that I often wonder what it would have been like to have social media, but I remember like, do you remember when, right when West Wing ended and Aaron Sorkin was starting the show, uh, 30 rock. I can't remember what that show was called, but it was took place in the same building where, you know, in 30 Rockefeller Plaza, it was sort of like a serious show about Saturday night live. Yes. I remember that. Yes. I don't remember the name, but I remember what, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the name. And, um, and I, I remember it was good and well-written and you know, I, I, it, it was, but what he was so frustrated about, I remember this article in the, in the LA times that it was the first time people were chiming in through social media, but more through like chat rooms and things. I think this was before Twitter and before Instagram, sure, but sure. it was definitely people talking in chat rooms and stuff saying, well, we don't want that kind of character and we don't want this kind of character. And we don't want, it was the first time people were weighing in and deciding that they didn't like a show almost before it ever even came out because, or that they, not that they didn't like it, but they had opinions about things they hadn't even seen yet, mm. you know? And so I, 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 and I, I remember also with Frasier, that's sort of like a lot of chat rooms and things started and people were asked a lot of questions and it sort of felt like, well, if I start discussing too many things behind the scenes, then 
then your focus is behind the scenes rather than the show that we're doing, you know, right. and I, and, and, and because it was, I knew how hard everybody worked to, to just, to just have the most beautiful 22 minutes they could possibly make. I, I didn't want, I would never have wanted to do anything to take away from that. There were already so many things that, that there were so many obstacles that we might not need to go into here because they're boring, but you know, like, the network was constantly giving away, you know, the ending with, you know, in promotions, you know, in promos, right, right, and right. Stuff. just things like that, you know, like, don't reveal. Why are you Giles doing that? Jesus. Right. Don't put Giles right. Give us Jesus. a little mystery. Exactly. Right. You know, and so it was like, there was, there were already those kinds of things that, that, you know, and it's not, it's just the way it's the nature of television. So to add in all this other conversation about it felt like, uh, is scary, you know, for the people making it. So, and now I feel like people are beyond that part of it. They're, they, they want to see what this, this creator or this writer wants to show them. They want that. They want to be, they want to sit back and be the audience and then they'll comment on it, but they'll mm-hmm. watch it. And that seems to be, have, have, has, to, that's kind of righted itself. It feels like. And, but then the other part of it is, of course, with all the, I feel like with Twitter and I have a love hate relationship with Twitter and I get a lot of my news from Twitter and there's all the negatives and positives of that, but it can be a cesspool. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, but also it can be wonderful, you know, but the main thing is it's, I feel like sometimes we protest on Twitter and not, you know, or we, we get out our anger, we get out our frustration by, you know, shooting off this tweet and then don't do anything else about it. I mean, and I'm not, I'm, I'm guilty of that. So, I mean, I try to make sure if I'm going to say something that I'm backing it up with some other action that's more helpful than just spouting off, mm. you know. That's, it, 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 it can be rough. And for women, it must be different than for men. And I, I'm not a woman, so I don't know, but I do have daughters and I'm very conscious of when I want them to be introduced to that world. And I've seen people, you know, there's just such vitriol going on and I don't understand how a mask is political. I don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand how safety and all I care about is safety. All I want are people to be healthy through this thing. And, and, and I, I, I try to stay out of politics. And every time I say that, I'm concerned about sports. You know, I, I'm, I'm very concerned about the baseball plan. I think the baseball plan is hodgepodge at best, and I think it's doomed. Whereas the NBA and the NHL have a shot. And college sports scare me because you're talking about little kids there, and I don't get that whole thing. And every time I say something about COVID, it's, you must be a, a left radical. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? Why? Do, what was part of that? words and i didn't understand that and i you know with social issues if you know you you just have to watch everything you say and uh i i have found that i just want my followers to be authentic that's all i ever want from anything i just want you to be authentic and if you dig me fine but if you don't dig me then just leave don't don't bother me because i have no interest in that and i can't imagine being in the public eye for as long as you have been in and embracing this and doing things that you believe in. You know, I do, do, do you feel like social media has kind of brought so many issues to a head, like at the same time. And of course, you know, all of it's kind of come to a head at the same time. And there's so many 
as crazy as it is, there's so much opportunity here to, to make some things right or to correct things or to get on the right path to that in all these areas, because all of these areas are brought up. You know, you can read 20 tweets and hear about 20 really important issues, you know, in those tweets, you might, one might be funny, one might be angry, one might be, you know, uh, mean and strange, but you think about all these things all day long. They don't go away. There's got to be something good about that. Well, the, the positives, there's plenty of positives. And I, I love Twitter. And I, you know, the, the, the people who listen to this podcast know what I'm about to say. But uh, my best friend was killed in Houston, Texas in uh, 2015. So five oh. years ago. And he played baseball. And, um, you know, I, he, he was he was in the public eye to a degree. And, you know, he, he wasn't he's not Mickey Mantle, but you know, he was, he was a great player, Daryl Hamilton. And he played for the Brewers and the San Francisco Giants and the Texas Rangers and, and a bunch of teams. And when he passed, people had known that he and I had done a radio show and strangers were writing me saying, you know, I used to listen to you guys and I, you know, I'm so sorry. And there was, it was one of the greatest, most therapeutic, wonderful things I had ever experienced. So I love Twitter. I love Twitter for that moment. That moment was so helpful that literally random strangers were just making me feel better when, you know, he, he had been killed. And I can see that for its wonderment. I remember being in Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia in 2011 when the United States captured and killed Osama bin Laden. And I remember being in the press box where the president of the organization came down and said, nobody should be reporting this. This is not confirmed. But it was all over Twitter. And I remember the crowd. It was 50,000 people in the crowd that night. And by the fifth inning, people were chanting, USA, USA, USA. That's literally from social media. And I used to say that was Twitter's greatest night. Because the fact that 50,000 people were cheering something that had not been told to them via the traditional outlets, it wasn't on the scoreboard, it wasn't on the radio, and it wasn't on television, but it was all over Twitter, and 50,000 people were screaming, USA, USA, and I always say that's Twitter's greatest night. Yeah, because it wasn't it somebody like right down the street that just saw the, that saw everything and they started tweeting about it? And yep. Yeah, yeah, I remember hearing that, but I didn't realize that it had... I didn't realize what the story you just told is fascinating. It was crazy. It was, it was crazy, And the stuff with Daryl was so interesting in that it was literally strangers and strangers were so kind. And that's why I always say that even the vitriol that we're all experiencing today, people are kind. There's more good people than bad. And that needs to be said. And I can't believe that we're living in a world where that needs to be said. But oh, it, that, it, there's all, it's always needs to be said because the loudest voices, you know, the loudest voices are what, and the loudest voices right now are not, not, not the good guys. <laughs> no, 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 no kidding. No kidding. Um, so uh, considering we just had a whole conversation on social media, how can people find you? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking everything down now. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, Twitter is we had a good run. <laughs> it was great while it <laughs> lasted. <laughs> um, at Gilpin Perry on Twitter and Perry.Gilpin on IG. There you go. There you go. Well, I'll end this the way I usually end 
uh, podcast when I have a guest. If there was anything in this podcast that you heard that you have an issue with, reach out to Miss Gilpin directly. Leave me the hell out of it. <laughs> oh, boy, you chicken. <laughs> yeah, so far, yeah. Far. yeah, well, that's how you survive 192 episodes or something. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Have you ever been on a show that had longevity? Hmm. Oh, yes, you did. Yes, but I also just along the lines of what you said, you know, when John passed away, John Mahoney. Yep. Oh, yes, uh, great example. Very, it was yeah. so so many people, you know, and and we all shared that. It, it, he was my great friend, but he was a great friend to many many people, and um, it was really, it was helpful. It made you feel a little better when you know people came out to say such beautiful things about him and how much they missed him and how sorry they were. It was really nice. And it's a chance, you know, to, to, uh, you know, interact with people. And, you know, what I've always said is, you know, I, I have watched you and I've admired you from afar and to have you on the show was a great thrill. When I saw that email, I was like, no way. Are you kidding? Of course I want to have her on. That is amazing. And I really, I thank you so much for your time and congratulations on old guy. Congratulations on all your success. And I love watching you when you pop up on other shows, you were on early edition for God's sakes, which is one of my all time favorite shows. There's been so many things. With Fisher, with Fisher Stevens. Fisher Stevens right. Yeah. I love right. Fisher. Perry Gilpin. I hope that uh, during this whole time you are staying safe and that you are continuing to, to work. And all we want to do is see you on more things and congrats on old guy and all your success. Thank you, Seth. I'm a big fan of halls of justice and I can't hall of justice. There you go. <laughs> now we can't do that in the promo. Now we can't put that in the promo. <laughs> yes, you can. Let's do it. Thank right. you, Seth. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Hall of Justice, and it was a pleasure getting to talk to you, and I hope you'll have me back again sometime. Oh, we would love that. That is Perry Gilpin. I'm Seth Everett. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. We will see you next week right here on the Hall of Justice.